Hello everyone, welcome to Chat Club. I'm your host, Alan Hilchey. Only one role on Chat Club. Everybody talks about Chat Club. Today is going to be episode number 13. Welcome everyone. Now, I want to center this podcast on school bullying. It seems to be a prevalent like problem in the world today. I know in my community, it's quite excessive with the amount of bullying that does go on. I just want to take a podcast to uh, talk about the issues, who's responsible, who, who, you know, sits there and does not want the responsibility, and, you know, who, you know, blames who and who. It's the blame game. Absolutely. I find cyberbullying, bullying in general, it's a blame game. Blame it on the district. Blame it on the teachers. Blame it on the parents. Blame it on society. Blame it on social media. It's not about that. People have to start stepping up. This is an epidemic worldwide. We're talking about people that cannot defend themselves that have mental illnesses. And that's kind of why I'm touching on this because it seems like a lot of uh, people and children and adolescents do get bullied because of mental illness. They're different and a lot of stuff like that. I wanted to share some stats, interesting stats. I wanted to share this as being a Canadian. I wanted to share this one. Canada has the ninth highest rate of bullying in 13-year-olds on a scale of 30, 35 countries. Oh, my gosh. What? And, and, and we get into Canada, and we're always, you know, a snowflake about everything. Oh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sensitive. I, you know, okay, let's start being sensitive about bullying. These are kids. Their frontal lobe is not developed as of yet. A lot of instinctive decisions. We as role models, adults, have to take more of a stance and we see this type of bullying going on, regardless if it's minor or small. In my line of work of being corrections, I have to set boundaries, a lot of boundaries. And I have to set boundaries all the time. Because if the kids don't know what is right and wrong, how are they supposed to change their, their behavior? How are they supposed to say, okay, this is wrong, I did it before, these are the consequences. And everybody's so hell-bent on not giving kids consequences and responsibilities and and accountability for their actions. It's absolutely to think that I could walk into a store as an adult and rob someone, come out and say, well, I'm not at fault. That's not going to wash in the real world. We are developing these kids at an early age to be young, productive members of society, and here we are enabling them. It's not your fault. No, there has to be boundaries set. I had boundaries set by my father. Maybe, you know, my father hit me maybe once or twice in my life. But God, by heavens, I knew that when I did wrong, I did wrong. And it came to the point where he'd reach to his belt and I'd go to my room crying. Because I knew what was wrong. Did that scar me for life? Absolutely not. It set me good boundaries, good moral and ethics. We don't have to be kids. And we don't have to, you know, people think that if you become a little stern with them, you're going to hurt, hurt, ruin them. No, you're not. You're setting boundaries. You're setting judgments and expectations. Expectations of... What's going to happen? This is wrong because there's, there's certain consequences. And that's my biggest thing is kids don't get any consequences. They pretty much roam the earth as they please. And they feel entitled. Entitled that they get certain things or that. You know, I know as parents, our lives become busy because we have two kids or we have two parents working in society. Because we need that because our means and what we want seems to go up. Which is, you know, it's life. Everybody has their own way of living. Not here to judge. And then the further from that. But the biggest thing about it is, 
you know, ninth out of 35 countries is just unreal. And we talk about this all the time. You know, you know, we talk about the bullying issue. And we talk about, you know, how can we, you know, take care of this. Or it, it, It's an epidemic. And we sit there and we put uh, pink shirts on for bullying. Like, putting on shirts saying no to bullying on one day, not going to cut it. Yeah, it brings attention. But the thing is, it needs to be done on a daily basis. The district needs to pull their socks up. The teachers need to be more accountability. Parents need to take more accountability. Society needs more accountability. The media needs to stop. You know, they need to start pushing this type of issue, which is going to help in the end. We talk about that. We talk about good experiences. Now, kids are supposed to go in a school environment to be safe, feel safe, to feel not harassed, to have a clean environment, to learn. These kids aren't getting that. These kids are getting bullied on a daily basis, and sometimes the teachers are turning a blind eye to them. And when teachers do bring it up to the principal or whoever's in command, they turn a blind eye to it because they don't want any aggravation from the parents. But you know what? Parents need to wake up too because if your kid's being a bully, you take care of that. You don't enable them. So that's survival of the fittest anymore in our society, the way it used to be back then. Absolutely not. Survivability, yes. To learn how to adjust, yes. To be flexible, yes. But to deal with harassment and being picked on and, and bringing down yourself, your self-esteem to the lowest that you can't function, and kids miss days of school because of this, which is anxiety, different things, anxiety, depression. I don't fit in. Where do I fit in? Then that turns into, it could be suicidal. Let's, let's face it. Suicide is not a bad word. Doesn't mean everybody's suicidal, but there is factors that enable that type of behavior. Um, they could cut to relieve the pain. They feel pain. This saddens me that I see a lot of kids getting bullied. It's unbelievable. You know, the rate of discrimination experienced among students who identify as lesbian, gays, bisexual, trans identified, two spirited, queer, or questioning LGBTQ is three times higher than heterosexual youth. So here's the other issue. Kids that identify as differently get harassed and bullied because they're different. You know, it's starting to get a little better, but not enough, not enough. And we talk about that type of experience, but we also talk about girls are more likely to be bullied on the internet than boys, because girls are on there. And a lot of girls are very ruthless, like Mean Girls, that movie does happen. It's not just a movie. It's actual factual that it happens. You don't think that idea did come from that? Absolutely. You know, when we get into this, we're ha we have a lot of victims. Well, you know, we have a lot of different trends, a lot of different things that happen when bullying. But the biggest thing is I, I want to bring it to everyone's attention because it's not only the responsibility of the school, it's a responsibility of the parents. It's a responsibility of society to say, no, we, we don't tolerate it. And sometimes I see it on the outside, and I try to nip it in the bud. Not saying that I can do anything being because I'm not an authoritative figure. But, I mean, types of bullying, there's so many types. Bullying, you know, there's the verbal bullying, sarcasm, threats, negative, insulting, humiliating comments, or unwanted sexual comments. That's verbal. So we get into social bullying, which is spreading rumors of, or damage someone's reputation. Excluding others from a group, 
Humiliating others with public gestures or graffiti, damaging someone's friendship, happens. Then we have physical bullying, and that's not a hard one to figure out. Intentional physical aggression towards another person, destroying or stealing someone's belongings, or unwanted sexual touching. Then we come into the next one, we go into cyberbullying, using a communication device to such as internet, social, uh, social media, or texting, Facebook, Snapchat, all these type of things. Used to intimidate, put down, spread rumors, make fun of someone, disseminate private or embarrassing information, images of a person without permission. And this has happened numerous times. I mean, talk about the young lady that was cyberbullied and her pictures were put on, nude pictures were put on the internet for everyone to see, which eventually she committed suicide. This is the reality of what impact this does. On the surface, you don't see any wounds, you don't see any visible scars, you don't see any of that stuff. But when you crinkle a piece of paper like I've done before, and you spread it out, you still see the crinkles in behind. These crinkles are scars left behind, emotional trauma of people doing bullying. So what is bullying? What is bullying? The definition that I've come to find out, bullying is related to negative psychological and emotional behavioral outcomes. These outcomes can be eventually make youth feel as they have no, they can no longer cope. Uh, bullying is linked to several thoughts of suicide. Um, a lot of things like uh, depression, hopelessness, low self-esteem, loneliness, isolation. Frustration, anger, humiliation, embarrassment, or trauma. And these are the things that stem from this. So, I mean, the biggest thing we have to do is we have to stop playing the blame game. The blame game doesn't get us anywhere. The blame game just talks about who do you think is in blame. But I think as a society, we are to blame. We need role models to step up. We need people to go into schools and talk about them, whether they're celebrities, uh, local hockey teams, uh, different things. I know for myself, when I ran my wrestling company the last three years, I haven't done it this year, I made it a point to bring my wrestlers who are our role models in that kids look up to them to come to the shows. I've had a few of them go into schools and have fabulous, fabulous, anti-bullying talks and I thrived on it. That's what I did as a as an independent wrestling. I wasn't like a 500 people or a thousand. I was anywhere from 100 to 200 people on a given night. We gave out, we went to the schools, we gave out free tickets to the kids, tried to give them to the, you know, the kids that were less fortunate, not to make it, you know, not to pick them out, but to help, to make them a part of something. And we tried to include the kids at our shows I know the wrestlers that we had at the shows were absolutely phenomenal to kids. They took time, they took pictures, they talked to them, they encouraged them, they were positive. That's what role models do. So we as a society, we have junior hockey teams, we have uh, Quebec major junior hockey teams, we have different things. These young men need to go into schools and start talking about anti-bullying and how it affects people. You know, there's many celebrities that were bullied and, and stuff like that. They need to speak up, and some have, but all need to. You know, we're not all perfect. We're not all, you know, we're not perfect. 
We have things that have done. Have we bullied in the future? Have we bullied in the past? That remains unseen. But all we can do is focus on the now. And the now is taking care of bullying as a community. So getting back to what I did as a company is I took the wrestlers, I organized the school, we did anti-bullying. Our shows opened up from November, October, but within there I tried to get at least three anti-bullying. I was successful. I did probably nine to ten over the three, the three years that I did do it. Did it make a significant difference? Absolutely. I hope it did. I felt it did with some very good speakers uh, talk about it. And a lot of the wrestlers that we had were bullied about their size, about their socioeconomic, their, you know, they were poor, they were, there were a lot of different things. But I mean, the, you know, the biggest thing is, is they went in and they made a, a talk and they talked about themselves, they talked about their lives, how it impacted them, but they found the coping mechanisms to make it much better that they can succeed and it made their goals to go become a wrestler to go to university, to, to get a job. Absolutely. Have I been bullied? Absolutely. Um, I've been bullied as an adult. Not so much as a kid because I seem to be, because I played high caliber sports, they kind of leave you alone because you were kind of popular. But I never felt I was popular. Uh, in high school, I always hung around with, you know, the First Nations, the group called the Headbangers, as, as they say, heavy metal. I, I get along with all facets in the, in the community. I didn't hang around with one. I hung around with several. Uh, so I mean, in my day we used to we used to tease, but um, how I know I didn't bully was I used to t- we used to do wrestling moves. It was WWF back in the day, so we talked about it. And you know, I do a few like Boston crabs. I get the, the kids, and we get up, shake our hands, and, and laugh about it. But to this day, I know I didn't bully because. When I went into the community years after, they come up, hey, Alan, how you doing? You know, what's going on? So I know I didn't. And, you know, if I ever did make someone insignificant or feel bad, I apologize now. I hope I didn't. But, that, I mean, that's the reality. We don't know what scares because nobody wants to say they've been bullied. Nobody wants to say that they've been hurt. No one wants to say that, you know, we've been bullied or it's almost... They want to keep it hidden because they don't want to show any cracks in the rumor. They want to remain silent. But I mean, that's everyone's business. So I've dabbled into some U.S. stats. I've dabbled into some Canadian stats. I'm sure this correlates with all other different countries and different cultures and different facets and different communities. I'm pretty sure. So what I've come to realize is most bullying happens in middle school. The common types are verbal and social bullying, which means Facebook, uh, you know, name calling and stuff like that. Uh, Absolutely does happen. Significant. I know my son, I'm going to touch on an experience with my son. My son was bullied, was rammed into a brick wall. And I talked to the person that was the vice principal. We had a conversation. And what happened was there was a point system, levels of, you know, of, you had levels of what you could obtain, uh, you know, for your behavior. You know, you got rank one, rank two, rank three, rank four. 
And those are the different levels of what kind of privileges you, you get. That's the word I was looking for, privileges. So my child was in playing basketball. This other child that wasn't supposed to be there all of a sudden slammed my kid against the brick wall and ended up with a bloody nose. I was contacted and I was asked and it was kind of laughed about, goes, you know, teacher kind of missed, you know, that kid kind of walking in. Okay, I'm sitting here and I'm like fuming and I'm trying to be respectful. And I'm like, what do you mean? Do you think it's funny that my kid, no, no, no. Well, so what's so funny about it? Did, like, because the teacher didn't do his job? Because there's no accountability for the teacher getting in trouble, it's okay. What, are you scared of that teacher that's gonna come back and talk to you? Are you scared that he's gonna say something? Like, come on. Where's the accountability that that kid stuck by, wasn't even supposed to be in that area, still performed a bullying task? And if this happens this one time, this happens everywhere. So at some point, the accountability's gotta come on the teacher. Very well aware that it's a very hard job. And I'm not crapping on the teachers, absolutely not. They do a fine job. But sometimes you have to draw your sand, lines in the sand, your boundaries have to be exposed for kids to know what lines to draw. And if you have to do them five or six times, you gotta do them. Don't give up after one or two times. It's pointless. If it's pointless after that five or six times, then the vice principal's got to take care of that. Vice principal can't, then the district's got to do something. There's got to be another alternative to keep all those kids safe. Why is that one kid allowed to do whatever he wants, or she, to these kids and get away with it and ruin their safe learning environment because they don't know what to do with the kid and they don't want to put that kid into a separate thing and identify them as bad. But it's okay to have several victims victims on the other side that could impact them mentally, physically, self-harm themselves, or even have suicide thoughts. That's okay. So one kid, their feelings, supersedes all the kids that don't feel safe, that are suicidal thoughts, that self-harm themselves, that have low self-esteem because of this one child. That's okay. Now, I see something wrong with that. I see something more very much wrong with that. And we talk about the snowflakes and, and, the, and the liberals and how they are always giving, oh, we've got to you know, make sure that everyone gets a fair shot. At some point, if you've done something to somebody else to endanger their safety, uh, make them feel insignificant, low self-esteem, feeling like a victim, feeling isolated, there's something wrong. Then that person needs to be pulled out of that environment and put it into another one. Maybe that kid has some issues at home that needs to be taken care of. In retrospect, we need to correct the behavior bullying at a, in, the, in, the, in the schools. Absolutely. There's so many risk factors because of this. There's a growing awareness of the, of the problem of bullying, which may lead some to believe that the bullying is increasing. Studies suggest that the rates of bullying is declining, but it still remains a prevalent and a serious problem in today's schools. Absolutely believe 100%. Some kids don't feel safe telling anybody because they don't feel that they're, the problem is being taken care of adequately. If Johnny over there gets bullied and he goes to the principal and he talks to the principal or the teacher and the same thing happens, the kids are watching. The kids are observing the behaviors and what they can get away with and what they can't. 
And when they're watching these kids bully and get away with it, what makes you think that they're going to step up and take a stance and say, I'm going to do it? They're going to keep quiet because they don't want to be the target next. Or they don't want it as bad as the other kid. This is inconceivable in my mind. How this stuff happens on a daily basis. Happens in communities. What, whatever happened, like I know there's some schools out there I've watched on TV that have these communities and they talk about community and they talk about how bullying is frowned upon. And they have very successful community environments. The kid has a bad day. The kids are hugging each other. Wow, what a concept, huh? How do you get there? Well, setting rules and enforcing the rules would be a first step. Finding out other alternatives, bringing parents into the situations to correct them, regardless if the parents think they're wrong or right. Don't let the parents win. They pay taxes. But in essence, the district and the teachers and the vice principals are the ones setting the tone. They're the community leaders in the school system. Parents are, are doing here to what goes on. And their parents' job and responsibility is hold the kids accountable. They do wrong. Absolutely. I mean, you don't go to the point where it hurts your kid, but maybe you take things away. Maybe you take their cell phone. Maybe you take their Facebook account away. You know, you should be, as parents, we should know what's going on in our kids' lives. Sometimes it's hard. But at some point, we need to, we need to invest. We need to sit down and talk to these kids our own kids and find out what's going on on a daily basis. Absolutely. So the best way is to prevent. And what I've read was prevention programs, but not a daily thing, not like not a one day a year thing. It's a continued thing. Uh, many prevention programs have been tested in schools with modest results. Others have failed to make a difference. It's a continual process for each thing. I mean, don't give up on it. Like try new things, you know. Try, try to try to facilitate positive behavior, and you know, if some kid, you know, does something, then bring it up as positive. Absolutely. Now, media, media coverage affects bullying. To better better understand how the media coverage and social media content, entertainment media stories, and other content about bullying affect the public. You know, these type of studies are needed to construct support needed to help guide these journalists and other content creators to navigate the goals of inter you know interesting things to their audience to get their job done it's their responsibility to inform about bullying and, and sometimes we i know it's something i don't really like bringing up and bringing attention to these kids that have went into schools and shoot them up are often bullied don't want to bring attention to that because you know that's something negative from bullying that really can happen. And it's sad to say that, you know, some teachers need to take more onus. I know it's tiring, but you know, I work shift work on a daily basis as a correctional officer. And if I don't watch the kids on my institution, I get my hand slapped and I get slapped pretty hard because that's my job watching the kids. I know you have 30, 40 kids. I know we have our bad days, but sometimes we have to do our job. We have to make sure that the Kids are safe, and I have to do that. There's things going on where I have to sit in the lounge with the kids and not sit at control because my job is direct supervision. And direct supervision is I'm amongst the kids. I'm interacting with the kids. I'm not sitting back at a wall in my unit and watching the kids. I'm actively 
engaging. This is the type of behavior that needs to help or happen. This type of behavior needs to happen in role models. I have some more interesting stats, and this was bullying stats. It's a website on the internet. It's called Stop a Bully. It's Canadian bullying stats, cyberbullying graphs, and school stats. A study on bullying in the University of British Columbia based on 490 students, half female, half male, in the grades from 8 to 10 in British Columbia in the city. In the winter showed of, it was in 1999, showed 64 of the kids have been bullied at school. 12% were bullied regularly once or more a week. 13% bullied other students regularly once or more a week. 72% observed bullying at school at least once in a while. 40% tried to intervene. That's a good stat. They tried. Absolutely, that's a good stat. 64% consider bullying as a normal part of school life. Wow. Normal. How is that normal? 20 to 50% said bullying can be a good thing. It makes people tougher, is a good way to solve problems, etc. Wow. Interesting. This is among kids. 25 to 33% said bullying is sometimes okay, and it is okay to pick on losers. Wow. That's the thoughts of kids from 8 to 10 grades. And that's in 1999. 61 to 80% said bullies are often popular and enjoy the high status among peers. One in five Canadian teens have witnessed bullying online. 25% of kids between 12 and 15 have witnessed cyberbullying. 25% of girls and 17% of boys have witnessed online harassment. 51% of all teens have had a negative experience in social networking. So, I mean, cyberbullying, I know back in my day, and that's a while ago, that when I was done school and I had home, the day was done. No more harassment. Kids today, they get home, they have social media, they have Twitter, they have Facebook, they have Messenger, they have Snapchat, they have Instagram, they have various social medias that can be contacted 24 hours a day. Now, here's a thought. These social media industries like Facebook, all these other ones, need to put something in place. I mean, you can't be, I think you can only be, what, 15, 16 to get onto Facebook. But there needs to be more stringent regiments for these social networks. If there is a conversation and there should be a conjunction with the kid, if they're registered and they're not of age, should be a software to shut down their their Facebook or shut down their Instagram or something should be in place. There needs to be more more put in place in these social medias and more accountability on these guys. Yes, it's the accountability of the teachers, the principals, the community, the parents to, to monitor this, yes. 100% of the time you can't monitor everything. And the social media says, oh, we're only there. No, you're there to provide a safe environment, like anybody else, to make sure that you're safe to go on social media to be a part of the social media community. It's on these Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. All these should be something put in place, whether they flag them. 
and it shouldn't be up to the perv victim. I know there's different things that flag them or whatever, or they look into it. But there has to be something put in place so as soon as they put it in there, it should be flagged and done. You can't tell me that software can't be developed, as I'm pretty sure it can. So there needs to be put more, and these social medias like Facebook and that are making tons of money, absolute amount of money on people's Facebook accounts and different things because there's ads and there's they ask me if I want to boost my posts all the time and they always want money and it reaches out. So don't tell me that they can't take some of the stuff. They can't take their money to make sure that there's a better, safer cyber experience because it can be. So these companies need to be pressured more by the government. The only one I haven't talked about is the government. Now the government needs to put more stringent laws in the bullying system. There needs to be more stringent laws against this type of thing to protect people that have a hard time protecting themselves, whether they have mental illness or low self-esteem or maybe they don't have the mental capacity to defend themselves. So they get, are victimized over and over and over. The biggest thing we need to do as the government is to find ways to help out, to give more money to the student students, which we pay taxes for. Where do we find the money? We don't have enough money. Sorry, if you want to find the money, there is money. Giving corporate welfare to other companies like numerous, numerous companies in Canada, there's been corporate welfare buyouts. Even our own, my own government in the province here have given money away. $60 million to a company to, and they don't even know where the money went because it's, it's, it's corporate welfare and corruption and they're taking it. Wealthy get wealthy and the poor get poor scenario and I believe it still happens. So take this money, you know, whatever. These companies are going to survive. We need to invest in our youth mental health programs to help aid the teachers to watch this bullying because you can't do it all the time. You have one or two teachers on the lunch watching it, like 500 kids. And, and teachers need their breaks like everyone else. I get it. So there has to be a system put in place, whether you get some hall monitors, bring in community police, or do something to pay to help these schools be a safer place. And it's on everybody. It's on school system, parents, government, society, the media. It's on everybody. It's on society itself. We need this to be better. So I'm going to throw a few more sacks out. Canadian bullying stats and facts. Punching, shoving, teasing, spreading bad rumors, keeping certain people out of a group, getting certain people to gang up on others are all forms of bullying. One of seven Canadian children from the age of 11 to 16 are victims of bullying. 25% in grades 4 to 6 have been bullied. Bullying occurs every seven minutes on the playground once every 25 minutes in the classroom. In majority cases, bullying stops within 10 seconds when peers intervene and do not support the bullying behavior. I'm going to repeat this line again. In majority of cases, bullying stops within 10 seconds when peers intervene or do not support the bullying behavior. That's a pretty significant line, if I might say so myself. You may not think that you're doing anything when you tell them no. What you do as an adult is you're planting seeds for these kids and hopefully they sprout up in little ideas. Oh yeah, Mr. Jones did say that. That is a bad thing to happen. Shouldn't do that. There's consequences. I hurt that kid's feelings. I could impact their future. It's making them think outside the box of what, if I do this, there's a cause and effect. 
I bully him, this is what happens. That's a cause and effect. Teachable moments all the time in our world and in the school system. And a high percentage of teachers do an absolutely phenomenal job and do it for years. And they get burnt out because they do it so much. So they need to be supported also. And their mental health is in a crisis too because the government's always putting more students in their classroom. But there's times where they get burnt out and sometimes they look the other way and things do progress and do increase. But, you know, you can't blame the teachers all the time. It's a community thing. We have to pick each other one up, one up at a time. We have to encourage not bullying. Happens a lot of times. Cyberbullying stats. This is a crazy one. 90% of the parents are familiar with cyberbullying. 73 are either very, and only 73% are concerned. Two in five parents report their children that have involved in a cyberbullying incident. One in four educators have been cyber harassment victims. So that means the teachers have been harassed because the, te- the kids' marks aren't, because the kids, again, aren't being held accountable. My kid, my Johnny needs better marks. It's your fault. No, it's not your fault. Absolutely not the teacher's fault. It's the kid's fault. They have homework. They need to get their homework done. Went to parent-teacher interviews not long ago. Teachers talk to us very apprehensively. Teachers are very kind of apprehensive because they don't know what kind of a reaction they're going to get from the parents. They don't know if they're going to yell that. They don't know if it's your fault that Johnny's not got good marks. No, the fault's on Johnny. Johnny is a student, and as a parent, we need to set boundaries, and we can't enable kids to act the way they do. That's the teacher's fault. The teachers are, okay, it's okay, be a couple days late, and they get no penalty. Back on my day, if I didn't pass it in, be fat zero. Zero. And these kids are going to have a rude awakening because when it comes to university, they're going to get a big fat zero, and they're going to wonder what happened. These are the crucial times and teachable moments that we need to get our kids in the right frame of mind that they have to take accountability for their actions. Parents can't keep to their coming to their aid all the time. When I read those stats, parents, 40% of the parents are, you know, reporting their kids for being bullies or being victim. There needs to be more. There should be 100% of the time, you know. And maybe it comes into the time where you talk to the kid about it, the kid doesn't want you to report it because it might be harder on them. My, my thing to that is, well, you know, what about the kid's safety? You put them at risk. And teachers being bullied because they're, they're kids. Like, when I went to the parent-teacher interviews, I went home and I told my child what he needed to, to correct on or he was going to lose certain privileges. And that was, that's what needs to be done. Take things away from them. Don't enable your kids. Don't let them have the power because they think they do. And they're going to threaten with child abuse or this and that. If you take a phone away, it's not child abuse. It's called parenting. Parenting. Parenting is being a parent to say no to the things that should be said no to. Encouraging them. Saying no. I, I don't tolerate that behavior and I don't, I don't, I'm not going along with your behavior. That is wrong. Morally wrong in ethics. Yes, we want to give our kids more. Have I spoiled my kids differently than my father and my mother did? Absolutely. But there's times where we have to stand up and we have to take a stand and say, no, I don't condone this. So educators consider cyberbullying 76, 76% as a big issue as smoking and drugs. Smoking and drugs are 75 and 75. 
that's a pretty significant stat. So the, the Stop Bullying site has a lot of stats on uh, bullying. And I look at these stats and some of them are appalling. Like it's it's appalling. There there needs to be more more programs or more follow through, more monitoring. Like it's just wow. Like types of bullying. From two thousand nine to two thousand thirteen there was sixty three percent were name calling and insults, forty percent shoving and hitting, involving friends and peers at thirty two percent, threats and intimidation thirty one. Cyberbullying, 30%. Spreading rumors, 28%. Exclusion, leaving out, 20%. Fighting, 20%. Sexual comments, 15%. Homophobic thoughts, 15%. Racist comments, 12%. Cell phone messages, 10 Damaging property, 9%. Disability comments, 7 Weapon-related, 5%. Wow, these, these stats are just blowing me away. Wow. It's astronomical, these stats. How about this? We're looking at incidents by province. And these are just reports that are reporting to them from schools or whatever. We got May 2009, July 2013. We have Quebec at 23%. British Columbia at 22%. Ontario at 20 Manitoba at 13.5%. Alberta at 11.5%. Nova Scotia at 4%. Saskatchewan at 3, New Brunswick at 1.5, Newfoundland at 1.5. I mean, we're looking at a lot of different stats, a lot of different... It's unbelievable the amount of kids that are being bullied. And the highest percentage of kids that are being bullied looks like grade 3 and up, and sometimes lower. We need to put more resources in this, and we need to put more, more government involvement. We need more help for the teachers. You know, stop reducing what... what like these kids are our future, and if we can't help them in a time of need at a young age, whether it's mental health or whatever, man, we got some serious problems in our in our future. If we can't curve these young people to learn how to respect others and learn how to include others, inclusion it's about the fun, it's about including including other people. The biggest thing about our society is, is we're sitting here and we're, like all these stats are just astronomical. The Canadian stats and, and just blows me away the amount of stats. Like we're the ninth highest rate of bullying in thirteen year olds category on a scale of thirty five countries. This is this is a country of diversity. This is a country that has diversity. Like we have different cultures in there and we're the ninth highest. We're supposed to be the most accepting country. But yet, because of certain things, like the liberals are focusing on the wrong type of propaganda or the wrong things. You know, we're, we're talking about different things. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about kids being victims. Is this okay? Or are we infringing on the bullies' rights by, by holding them accountable? Wow. Infringing on the bullies' rights? They have the right to be a bully? It's like the offenders having more rights than the correctional officers. How does that happen? How in society are we down to giving people that perpetuate and victimize other people get more rights than the victims that are there? People and people that are in authority that are looking over the offenders and the offenders have more rights than, than the people that are law-abiding. 
I get it that you don't want fenders to be hammered and, and, and tortured in that, but that's not what correctional officers do. We have to use the forces necessary. And in some situations, some of these offenders are very volatile because they're not in society and they're in jail. So you're enabling everybody. Why enable? I understand the liberals and I understand that they're trying to give everyone the freedoms and the rights, but when that rapist went and raped a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old, you go and ask their family how they feel that this person gets certain rights now. They've scored that child for how long? For the rest of their life during counseling and they're trying to get through the trauma. Well, this other person, we're more worried about that offender that did it, whether they're getting treated right in jail. Where has society led us to this facet in society that somebody in Ottawa or somebody in the higher ups think that, oh my gosh, we're infringing on their rights. The judge has set a judgment on their behavior and set a sentence that they're to abide by. But the horrors and they'll never, that kids will never get back their innocence, will never get back looking over their shoulder, will never function in society in most cases ever again. Now I'm digressing into a whole different thing. But these are things that portray. These are things that happen in the future. We have offenders. We have sex offenders. We have rapists. We have child molesters. And these, it's just absentine that we have to treat these people with more dignity than the victims. And these liberals think it's okay. I believe in everyone has freedom of rights and everyone has certain things and you know, should have freedoms. But when you take away somebody else's safety and right and you victimize someone and you're by the law, everybody has taken, you've taken, the judge has taken away those civil rights. My belief is they shouldn't have a vote. My belief they shouldn't have certain rights and they should be provided for the meals, the safe, safe environment, I agree. But those other things are mind boggling because they've lost their right to do that when they victimize another Canadian or someone else. And we're, and we're bowing down these, these people that think that they can correct some offenders. Some can be corrected, but high percentage, this is their life. They're happy with it. I'm not saying that I understand the offenders or understand their point of views, but what I've seen, what I've experienced over my 20 years, some of them like to be the bad person. Some of them like to, some of them don't think there's other bad decisions. That's why I work youth corrections, because I want to make a difference. But I understand that there's some offenders that can be rehabilitated. I get that. Halfway houses are, they're, they're happening. They do get chances and they have worked towards it. I get it. But these people that have done terrible things to other people in sexuality or sexual or other things or tortured, at some point there has to be some limitations put on this. I know I'm kind of wish-washing and going back and forth on my views. I'm not liberal. I'm more conservative, but not so conservative that I think that everyone that is an offender should be treated with uncompassion or... Because, I mean, very well, I mean, we all make mistakes. I get it. And some of them make mistakes. Some of them are repeating them. And some of them can't be forgotten. And that's my view on it. Some of them can't be forgotten. And I think that's where I lie. I, and, and I apologize if I'm 
hurting someone's feelings or this is my opinion, this is my views, it's not what society is, it's my feeling. I think that we've got too insensitive for other people's needs and I feel that everyone needs to be focusing on the issues of bullying at a young age because this is, can traumatize people at a young age, can, can make them be into things that they don't want to be. You grow up, you want views, we have dreams, we have things we look forward to. And then we have this one person consistently hitting their, their self-esteem and telling them that they're nothing. I went through school, through my high school, being told I would be nothing more than a garbage pickup guy because I played hockey and I didn't care about school. Listen, I come out of university. Like, how do I put this in a nice, nice context? Teachers disabled me through my high school. Yes, there were some nice teachers, but there were teachers that, because I was labeled bad because I did some bad things, not one teacher ever took me aside and said, Alan, you need to get your crap together. I see you have a lot of abilities. If you could put the focus of your sports into your schoolwork, you could be one hell of a student. Do you understand that if you get a scholarship and you can get this and this and this, this is your future? What's the chances of you making the NHL or playing you know, professional baseball or doing any of that stuff? Very low. This teacher pulling me aside, giving me realistic values and realistic talk and trying to get me to see other... I may not listen at that time, but something may click to me. So in essence, I graduated with a, just graduated because I think they took me and said graduate, didn't want him in there. I was not a nice student towards the teachers because they weren't nice to me. Teachers that were nice to me, I absolutely were very respectful. But the teachers that disrespected me, you know who you are. I not going to sit here and blame you for what I've done because I'm the one that determines my future but you helped in my bad decisions absolutely so when I get out of high school I worked a lot of minimum wage jobs finally found out that hey that's not where I want to be this is horrible I can't live paycheck to paycheck I knew I needed to take the next step so I couldn't get in full time because of my horrible marks in school high school Again, the teachers are right. Did they say it the wrong way or did they put it through the wrong way? Yes. The message was tainted to me that if you're going to be act stupid, you're going to get stupid. So that message was ran vibrant. I didn't think I was a good student. Didn't think I was smart. I went in and I basically got myself enrolled in a few classes and I did well. I had a C plus and a B minus and I was out of school for hmm, four years, three to four years. So... I didn't have the continuous, and these are night classes, and I'm doing very well. And I was very enthusiastic, wanted to learn, I studied, I worked hard. Absolutely, I did. It's my intro to sociology. I'm not sure what the other one is, but I did do part-time classes, paid for them, and I went to school. That's what I did. So lo and behold, around Christmas, the university needed a goalie. Thank heavens, I could play hockey. And I was pretty good goalie, small, but I was good enough to be a backup or play one or two games. I wasn't a star in high school. I was. I was good. But I think that I could have been better if I put my focus onto it. But my focus was leaving because hockey was not a pinnacle of my success anymore. Sports wasn't the big thing anymore. I had to get my life together. 
So when I turned around and, and I worked on it, I worked on my life. Uh, the university coach wanted me to go. Got myself in the university full-time after Christmas. I survived. I got through it, played hockey, did my marks. I went through and I had a big... The next year wasn't so good. Uh, my father had a massive heart attack. I went through a lot of stuff. I was home, had help him out. Again, another crutch, tram. I didn't know how to deal with it. I was put on academic probation. So I had to get my stuff together. I, you know, I screwed up. So it wasn't, I wasn't far from where I needed to be. Anyway, a lot of good things happened. I, I, I met my wife and I get into, she encouraged me and she made me feel that I could do it. And I darn well did it. So my first two years were average. So I went into my next year and I had a 2.7 GPA. And I was like, wow, I can do this. So a lot of events happened, I got married. A lot of different things happened to me. A lot of positive things happened. So in my last year, the criminology program came out in St. Thomas University. And I needed to get my stuff together. So when I did this, I worked my butt off. Like I was doing three night classes a week in my first semester, which is unheard of. But I had to get my criminology degree to get what I wanted. So. I would have had a double major in arts with a uh, double major in sociology and criminology. I need to take all my criminology classes in one year. Needed to. So I did do that. And I come up with a 3.0 GPA. Absolutely. So proud of myself. Very smart. Smarter than I thought it was. But it takes one person or a couple people to think that you have the ability to only think that you can do it. And my moral of the story is your teachers need to be more positive with kids, even if they're having a rough time. Sit down and have a heart-to-heart. Plant the seed. The seeds are planted. It's up to the kid to, to grasp onto it, to water it, to make sure you're nurtured. The ideas are what is said to them. The biggest thing where I work is a lot of kids don't know they have these talents. And some of these kids that come into my place, youth jail as they call it, but I call it just basketball camp. Sometimes it's what it is. Pretty, pretty good environment for kids to do what they need to do to correct themselves whether they take the time or not but a lot of times I take these kids and, and, I, and I plant the seeds and I tell them it's up to them seeds are planted you try to give them the positive reinforcement like when they do something I remember that one of the kids was doing a chore one day and I looked at them and I said man thanks for doing such a good job and they stopped and looked at me and they didn't know how to take the compliment because they would never been told in their entire life that they did something good and positive and never heard the words thank you. And when I try to get the kids, I say, please, can you get your chores done? I get such a better result from, from kids when I ask them politely. And it also shows that if I'm respectful with them, they have to be respectful for me because I will not tolerate any disrespect. Because if I'm getting them the respect off the bat, then it needs to be returned to me. It's not a crutch for them to act uh, rude to me or anything because I won't do anything. And they, and they know that. And it's a two-way street, and, I, and I've had kids come to me, and I've had some stories told to me about how well I've done with some certain kids and how some kids have turned their lives around because of the certain plants. And some of my coworkers that have been included in the conversation have planted seeds in these kids to make them feel that they are worth something, and they turn their life around, and they have kids, and they have jobs, and they're not in jail. And it's, 
it might not may only be the three to five percent, but hey, it's better than zero percent. I say anyway. So I just wanted to give a little bit of like, was I bullied when I was younger? But in essence, maybe I was bullied by my teachers because I had not negative condensations. And yeah, my behavior was never good to them. So why should they be good to me? You want to know why they should be good to me? Or they shouldn't be good to me. Maybe they should be more realistic. Yeah, and I didn't deserve any respect from them because some of them I was downright grew, but I was to the point of they're rude to me. Why, why should I be nice to them? And that's a common understanding. Always stick up for what you believe in. Could the teacher have been a little more encouraging? Absolutely. Were they going to be encouraged? No. Not by me. I was seen as a hockey jock. So I was protected, they thought. So I didn't deserve their respect. Well, I did deserve their, some respect. Maybe if they had taught me how to be uh, some of their experiences and learn to help me. And is all they had to do was sit down and have a chat with me. Say, listen, let's have a chat. My guidance counselors used to listen to me. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of things said in, in the bullying. I want to close this up. The bullying has got to stop. I mean, the blame game is where we're at. Everyone's blaming each other. But we as a community and a society, we better start grabbing onto it. Or things are going to start spiraling out of control. We're going to have more mental illness. We're going to have more taxing on our healthcare system. Because it starts at a young age. Getting anxiety, getting these certain disorders because of the stress that's put on the body. The stress is triggered by negative experiences. And these negative experiences are definitely bullying. So in retrospect, as, as a world and as a society, and that's that, the blame game goes on the parents, teachers, the school districts, the government, social media. All these people need to start taking more of a stand and not a one day let's wear our anti-bullying shirt. This is an every day. Take it as a battle. You know, people from World War One and World War II went to battle to give us our freedom and rights. Let's make sure we give them back to the victims. Not the not the offenders or the bullies or whatever. Our victims are just as important as the ones that you feel that are being slighted or you know, not getting the respect they deserve not enough focus on the victims. Their their lives are impacted because of this on a daily basis. And people need to think outside the box. And a big word I want to leave with you is empathy. How does the other person feel? How does the person feel about everything? So in conclusion, we need to take more of a, an approach, more dynamic approach, work on these things. These stats that I've read are astronomical and very, very sad. And I touched on, you know, the different people, like, you know, the lesbians, the gay, the queer, as it being another one. It's what's written in here. It's not what I believe. But these these different people have different beliefs and think of who they are. Like the discrimination among them and being bullied. Because they're different. You know, trans-identified, bisexual, gay, lesbian, two-spirited, queer, or even questioning the LGBTQ is un unconventional and it doesn't need to be done. These people have certain beliefs. And if they if it makes them feel better, then they identify, great for them because they're identifying who they are. They're confident in who they are. Whatever organization or whatever they believe, as long as they don't hurt other people and discriminate other people, you be who you want to be. 
So I'm going to wrap this up in conclusion. Be safe out there, people, and make sure if you see bullying, con contact somebody. Be an advocate. Be a role model for these kids. They need somebody. Communities need to stand up. These hockey teams, like junior hockey teams, professional hockey teams, uh, could be baseball teams, could be anything that the kids go to, university players. Start taking a notice, start being taking programs, and start going into the community, talking to these kids of the impact of bullying. High percentage of hockey players have been bullied. Happens on the ice, could happen in their skin color, could happen to anyone. There's a lot of that stuff coming out. So this ends my podcast. In conclusion, I just want to make something abundantly clear. In no way am I saying teachers are doing a bad job. I think they're doing a good job. I think what it really comes down to, what I see, is the teachers are trying to do their best. But the district isn't helping them out or giving them the resources. And I don't think they want to punish kids. I don't think they want to hold them accountable. I think they're just putting band-aids on things. Teachers are hard workers. They mold our young youth. And I think they get frustrated with the system too and how they're getting not supported is the word I want to say. And I know how that feels, teachers. I know that you do a good job and you want to do a good job and you get burned out and I understand that. I just think that some teachers have an opportunity to nip it in the butt and they don't because maybe they don't care or maybe they're burnt out or whatnot. In no way am I um, calling the teachers down and I don't really want to do that because I know a lot of teachers and they, I think they do a fantastic job a lot of times and most times and all the time. So I just want the government, the district, social media to up their game. I think the teachers try their best with the resources they have. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes they get frustrated. Why am I going to keep reporting the same thing over and over? I'm wasting my time. So it comes on to the upper management, the district, that needs to hold these kids accountable because if you're not going to hold them accountable, what's going to happen? The whole system is going to be flawed. It needs to be a better environment, a safer environment for the kids that go to school. They need to feel safe, understood, and heard. These are the three things I think are most important. But being safe is a big one. Because if they can't feel safe, they don't go to school, it ruins their education, then their future. So I think it's really important that we focus on these things. We need celebrities, hockey players, baseball players, sports celebrities in the community to roll out to these schools and talk about bullying and the impacts and how it's not nice to treat someone like that and how it's nice to help someone because helping someone feeds your soul. You feel good about it, paving, paving it forward or whatnot. So I just wanted to touch on the teachers. I know in this podcast I kind of put a negative condemnation on the teachers and I did not want to do that. It's not my purpose here. My purpose is to help out. And I really think that the teachers are part of the solution and need more support. Just want to talk about one more thing before I go. Now, I have a Facebook page called uh, Chat Club on Facebook. I'd like to have a lot of likes on there if I can, somehow, because it just spreads my message and what I'm doing as a podcast. Now, I do take this out of my own money and I want to share these podcasts with everyone. Hoping in the future that I do make some little bit of money, but I would like to give it to community organizations like mental health or whatever. But most of the, the more likes and listeners I get 
the more that companies want to help me out or use me, I should say. And the more they use me, the more I get, which I can do different things. So um, I just wanted to say a little bit on that. So I really appreciate my listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Our numbers are increasing every week. And a big part of it is you sharing it and being a part of my podcast and uh, also the encouragement that I feel. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm going to continue the fight. I might bring on different subjects eventually, like the bullying I just did. And in the future podcasts, I might be looking at some interviews and some bullying in the workplace and negative workplaces and stuff and maybe some ways to help because I've been there myself. So this is Alan Hilchey. This is Chat Club. In Chat Club, there's only one rule, and you guys all know this. Everybody talks about Chat Club. Thank you very much, and have a great day or night, and I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you.